to pivot from that, right, it's, from, it's, it's going from this picture of restoration. And our hope for 2022 is that we're no longer just seeking and, and trying to restore, but now we're moving into deep maturity as believers, deeper maturity, more tangible, more life-changing, more history-making. My prayer for TLC is that as sons and daughters of God, that we're not just going to be a part of an institution, organization to do stuff, but we are a people that's going forth into this world and making life changes across the board. That wherever we set our foot, Eden is there, God's presence is there, God's kingdom is there, blessing comes there. So my hope is that, and, and my hope is that we will um, be a group of people who's thinking about the, the, the foreigners, the widows, the orphans. You know, I want to pray that 2022 we become a generation of people who, 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 who start picking up the, the heart of adoption, right, or a foster child, or even stuff like that. But we, we want to move deeper into God's love rather than just creating an institution of doing things. We want to make this place and this world more beautiful for God's kingdom, right? And that's my prayer um, in the long run for TLC. But here's the thing. The reason why we, I, I picked this series, Refined by Fire, is that you got to see that there is something that's different between the world that God calls us to live and the world that we actually exist in. You got to see that there's a, there's a duality there and there's a, there's a fight that's happening there. And in this fight, you're going to feel lost. You're going to feel trials. You're going to feel burnt. You're going to feel attacked. You're going to feel like you're being crushed. But the whole heart of it is this, is to push us towards growing. It is to push us to grow. Not to stay as we are, but to grow, right? To be believers who are movers and shakers of history. The early church changed the course of this world because they had a truth, they stuck by it, they believed in the reality of their God, and they will not shake from it. And they went out and they changed history. They crafted their culture. They made things beautiful. And that is my prayer for TLC. But in order for us to see that, you got to see that you need to grow. You got to grow. And today, Peter is going to talk about this picture here. This, this last message from uh, the, book, the letter of Peter is to talk about this need, this why of the Christian growth. Why do you need to grow as a Christian? Okay, so open your Bibles. Chapter 1. We're going to go from 22 what uh, our sister Peron read first, verse 22 to chapter 2, verse 3. All right, listen now. Now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is 
good. Why should we be growing as people? Why should we be growing as Christians specifically? Right? We need to grow up as Christians because we are immature. We're babies. We're infants. We're dumb. Right? I know you guys don't believe me yet, but hang in there. I'll show you. Right? Somewhere along the road, we've been mistaken with this idea that we, we got this line of thinking that if we, if, we, if we have more money, if we look better, if we come from scholastic academia, if we display more talent, if we have done better in life than others, somehow you must be more mature, better off. At least we got more together. But the thing about Christianity is so much, it, that's, that's how, that's how our, our culture has defined that you've made it in life. Right? But Christianity is so much more complex. That's why it's so beautiful because it doesn't just look at the, the categories and the placement and the positions that you place yourself in. Christianity talks about this complexity and this depth that's there because in the eyes of Christianity, you could be all those things, rich, good looking, made it together, got everything going, and still be an immature baby and still be an infant Christianity is so much more complex than the positional standings that you have put yourself in. Because if and when you become a believer, if and when you accepted Jesus Christ into your life, you might walk into faith smarter, smarter than other people around you, more savvy when it comes to business, more nuanced when it comes to relationship, more dynamic when it comes to life, but you are still a baby, right? You're thinking, I got this. I'm, I'm way smarter than so-and-so. Right? My business uh, acumen is so much better than so-and-so. And you think, I made it. I got this together. My work position, my place, how much I have, my package deal, it's so much better. But the moment you come to a believer, the moment you come into faith, you're just a baby. You start off just as a baby. You're not more mature. Right? You start off as an infant, a baby. What are some characteristics of a baby? I, mean, I, want, I want to give you guys some perspective today. Okay, I want you to think about this. I have a lot of training because I have two boys, okay? I'm going to show you, or at least, and I'm pretty sure you guys can see it too because they're all over the place. You see them all the time. But I want to I show you these characteristics of a baby and how their characteristic is very typical of the average Christian, average believer. Okay? First thing, okay? Babies are unstable. Right? Children are unstable. Right? Enoch, you know, Enoch is the, the biggest crybaby in the house, right? He'll come, he's like, and he wants something so bad, he just keeps moaning and crying and giving up, and he'll just keep going and going. And then what happens? He's, he's so dramatic, he's so sorrowful, and you turn around, you look at him, he says, you want some ice cream? He says, all of a sudden, the tears just flows back up, right? It's just like it defies gravity, comes back up. He says, yes, right? I said, what happened to all the, all the drama that you just gave me a second ago? He said, ice cream, daddy. Chocolate, right? right? They're unstable, Right? They magically stop. Because why? Because they're shallow. Babies are shallow. Children are shallow. Their sorrow can only go so deep. Right? Like, I'm so sad. No, just kidding. Right? And therefore, their joy can only go so deep. I'm so happy. No, not really. Right? But think about the average Christian. Right? Maybe it's you. As long as everything is going well, oh, God, I praise you. I'll show up to church. Maybe even do a small group. Right? But the moment something goes bad, the moment when there's a trial, when the moment when refinement needs to happen, what do you do? Why, God, are you punishing me? 
Why, God, is this happening to me? How can you be so cruel? I thought you loved me. In vain I have worshipped you. In vain I have done all these things. Because you know what? Your joy and your sorrow is shallow. It can only go so deep. You're unstable. Think about this. Let's say you get really excited over a sermon. I know that's rare, but let's say you get really excited over a sermon. Right? You get convicted. God says, oh, I'm going to do this. And then I, I got it. I'm going to walk out. The moment you walk out the door and you see food, you're like, oh, hold up. Right? And all of a sudden, your brain, everything you lost. You lost everything for that, that, that 30, 40 minutes we preached on. Everything just goes out the window because free food. Right? Or you read a book. You read a book. For those of you guys who read, right? You have all these resolutions because you read it. You're like, man, that's so good. That's so deep. That's so insightful. And then what happens? You don't do anything about it. Oh, that's good. But you don't do anything. Oh, or when you repent. Let's say you cry out in tears. Like, God, I'll never do that again. I promise. And then what happens? You never do anything about your repentance. You never change. You're a child. And that's okay. That's okay. You know why? Because we all start there. We all, no matter how well you have made it in life, in the eyes of Christian, you all start as a baby. And that's okay to be there. But it's not okay to do what? Stay there. Right? It's cute when you're a baby. But it's not so cute when you're an adult. I'll tell you a story, right? I remember I was in college. You know, I was telling the high school kids, they didn't realize this. When you're in college, you can, you can not show up to class and no one will care, right? You can, you can show up late and no one will care. You can show up five minutes before the class ends and nobody will care, right? Not a big deal, okay? If you're a baby and your mom takes you to class and you're late, and you know, your mom's running late and tells the teacher, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, we're running late. And she's like, oh no, it's okay. We're just glad you came, right? I remember in college, we were sitting in math class, and we saw this kid walk in, this guy walked in. And he was kind of, I mean, I'm not going to say he looked like it, but he, you know, he looks like, you know, he hasn't seen, like, life. Right? He's just kind of, like, to himself. So he just walks in, and that's cool. And then his mom walks in after him. And we're like, ooh, okay. And the teacher's just lecturing. So he's, he takes a seat, his mom walks up, all the way up to the front of the lecture. And she said, I'm so sorry. The car broke down. That's why he's late. The professor was like, um, thanks. And then he was like, um, it's okay. He's a grown man. You can come to church. You can come to school late. And she's like, oh, okay. But he's just late. I just want to let you know. Right? It's cute when you're a baby. When you're an adult, you're like, it's kind of weird. Like, bro, like, you can't, you can't just walk in yourself. Like, why well, you have to walk with your mom? Right? It's okay. We all start off as kids. But it's not okay what? To stay there. You get me? Give me another characteristic of a child. This is, this is Peter telling us we need to crave. Like newborn baby, we are baby. We need to grow. Babies are self-centered. Children are self-centered. Children have to be taught not to interrupt, right? Enoch cannot read the room. You guys know me? Right? He can't read the room at all, you know? I could be talking and, 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 and ministering to someone who just broke up with their girlfriend or, you know, facing someone who has cancer. He comes in, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. Say, hey, man, I know you're feeling bad. Let me pray for you. Daddy, 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 Daddy. I say, like, like, bro, situation here. Like, but he expects what? He expects me to drop everything for him, Right? Everything at that moment. You can't read the room. When they want your attention, they just want it. They can't read the room. They expect everyone to drop everything to meet their needs. They have a hard time focusing on a conversation that's not about them, right, for a long period of time. 
I'll be like, hey, I'll be like, hey, you know, I'm, daddy's tired today. It's been a long day. I said, daddy, look at my coloring. And I was like, can you just listen to me, man? Come on. He's like, daddy, wake up, daddy. Come on, right? Stop sleeping. I said, daddy, I'm tired. I'm tired, you know. Daddy, wake up. All right. Look at the average Christian. Look at yourself. Do you constantly get your uh, feelings hurt because you don't understand why people don't drop everything to meet your need, right? Because you can't read the room. You can't realize that there are other things besides you that's center of, of focus. You get bent out of shape when people don't notice what you do or don't do. You always feel people are mistreating you or taking advantage of you. You're a child. And that's okay because we all start there. But it's not okay to what? Stay there. Here's another one. Short attention span. Children need constant excitement and constant action, right? You know, you take a kid to a movie, you're just praying, like, please, let there be action. Like, no, no plot development is necessary. No character development is necessary. Just, just keep blowing things up, right? I just need them to pay attention. Because you know, the moment the movie calms down, if they start talking and explaining things, what happens to the kid? They're just jumping around. Like they're running around across all of the seats, you know? Why? Because they need attention. They need excitement. They need things to be colorful, exciting, exaggerated for them. Think about this, okay? When you speak to Enoch, how do you speak to him? Do you say, hey, buddy? Or do you say, hi, Enoch. How are you? Oh, you're so cute today. Why do you do that? Why do you drag on your notes when you talk to a child for Right? You guys ever see that, right? You automatically, you automatically do that because you know, you know deep down that if you don't do that, you lose their attention like that, right? The moment you start talking to them, like, hey, but what's up? And you're like, they look at you and just walk away. Say, oh, give me attention. And then you're like, oh, I'm just kidding. I love you. Hug me, right? You can't keep their attention if you talk naturally or normally. Think of the average Christian. You need excitement. You want things colorful, entertaining. Are you not entertained? right? As soon as something is boring, you, you check out. You want quick answers. You want God to come through like this. You jump to, from church to church to find something that excites you. So I, I left that church. Why? Because, you know, it's just, it wasn't really doing it for me. Was he preaching the gospel? Yeah. Were you guys in small groups? Yeah. Were you guys, you know, doing church things? <laughs> like, Yeah. So what's the problem? It's just, you know, I just, he just didn't have memes when he preached, you know. I want to, like, video entertainment while we're doing these things. Your babies. See, mature Christians' emphasis is what? Character, discipline, righteousness. They want to hear truth. They are willing to understand that Christianity is a long road of obedience in the same direction. Let me ask you a question. Are you... Uh, Stock aficionados out there, right? If I gave you a magical penny that duplicates every day for 30 days or $100,000 today, which one would you take? The penny. Okay, if you were smart, you save the penny. You know why? Because compounded, you know, over time, it exponentially grows. You can get about a million dollars after 30 days with just one penny that duplicates versus taking $100,000, right? There's only if you can see the long road, though. But if you can't, if you can't, most people, you know what the youth group kids said? 100,000. I said, you're so dumb, right? That's why you're children, you know? See, it's about the long road. The 
the long road of obedience. That's what maturity is. That's what maturity thinks like. That's what maturity acts like. Immaturity, children have a short attention span. I want it now. Here's another one. Needs to be fed. Babies need to be fed, right? You want them to eat good food, healthy food, right? But you know that they ain't going to eat it because they don't like it. So what you got to do? You got to entertain them while you feed them. Can they feed themselves? I think so. Can he not feed himself? Yes, he can, right? But every time, I said, Daddy, my mom, he's like this. Like, just, you know, you can eat yourself. Here's a spoon. Do this. Can you do this motion? Can you do this motion? You can eat. He's like, I can't do it. I said, I said just, just push it just one more inch. I can't do it, Daddy. So what you got to do? Here comes the airplane, right? Oh, wow, you know. Daddy, it doesn't taste good. Wow, it's a chocolate airplane. Whoa, you know, and he eats it. It's like, mmm, yummy, Daddy. He's like, really, bro, right? And you can't, you can't just simply say, fine, don't eat, just die, right? You can't do that. You're a parent, right? You need to entertain them to give them something that is actually good for them. They don't know it naturally. How about average Christians? How many of you guys can feed yourself? Right? <laughs> they, don't, they definitely don't want to eat what's good for them. Right? The word of God is what I'm talking about here. You have to be entertained while you're being fed so that you can actually eat what's supposed to be good for you naturally. There has to be some sort of entertainment so that you would actually get the food, enjoy the food, nourished by it. Okay? But here's the crazy thing. Here's the crazy thing about kids. You starve them long enough, they'll eat it. Right? I mean, I've done this before. Not, not intentionally. Not intentionally, right? It's just because I forgot life. You know, I, was like, I was in the middle of all things, and I was like, what time is it? And you know, I don't have a standard, so I'm like, it's four. Did you eat yet? Oh, shoot, you didn't, right? So I'm like whooping up rice and eggs. I put it on a table. I say, I'm going to feed you in a second. You know, look, turn around. It's gone. Dude, I knew you can feed yourself. You're a freaking liar, right? See, if they're hungry, they'll eat. But the thing about Christians is what? You starve a Christian, and they'll just let themselves die. Here's one more characteristic, one last one. Children are gullible, right? My kids think I'm the smartest man in the world, Right? Even though, like, I, I do my, I, when, he, when, when Seth asks me a question, I do my best to give him the most right answer, okay? Like, I, I don't want to fluff it up. I want to give him the most right answer. But Enoch, Enoch's a little bit more annoying, right? Because he just won't stop. And, and, and sometimes I just kind of get so lost. He's like, Daddy, 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 where's the moon? Like, it's not here. Daddy, 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 where's the moon? I'm like, what am I going to say? Like, it's, the earth is spinning, and therefore the sun, we can't see it. You know, I, I, it's too much work while I'm driving. He's like, Daddy, Daddy. I was like, dude. Moon sleeping. It's like, oh. <laughs> and then at nighttime, he's like, Daddy, what's the sun? So what do you think? Sun sleeping too. He's like, yes. <laughs> right? And he believes it. He's like, wow. You know? Think about the average Christian, though. Right? How many times do you actually critique what you read, what you see, what you experience in this world? How many times do you actually sit down and say, you know what? Through a biblical lens, how am I supposed to see this situation? How am I supposed to critique this situation? How am I supposed to learn about this, to whether it's true or false, versus I'm just going to embrace it. I'm just going to take it. Right? Emotion is very drawing, so I'm just going to take it in. And it makes sense emotionally, so I'll just 
do that. Here's the thing. I'm not even mad about it, guys. If that's you, I'm not even mad about it. You know why? Because that's just reality, right? But what is frustrating, what is frustrating is this. It's that you knowing where you are at, and you decide to what? Stay there. If you don't know that you have to grow, then you absolutely won't grow. How much are we like babies? I've been with you for 10 years, guys. 10 years. Every time the adult says, like, hey, how come they're not doing this? I'm just like, hey, look, give us some time. They just need to grow. I can't hold that excuse out much longer, guys. It's been 10 years, right? A 10-year-old knows what to do right, correctly. Is that we need to step into, I'm not talking about grow as in like just do stuff. I'm talking about grow in your spiritual maturity and depth. That you are not shallow, self-centered, short in attention, gullible, need to be constantly fed. But that you have this, this, this depth of maturity to go the long road, to take the long road of obedience. If you don't know that you have to grow, then you absolutely won't grow. So the question I want to ask is, how do we grow, right? How do we grow? Look at verse 22. Now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. How do we grow? The first thing is obedience. It's, it's absolute obedience. You know, me and my salt guys, we have this kind of like um, relationship. I give them spiritual truth. They give me things that I don't, I'm very bad at. Right? For example, health and financial information, right? And I, t- I tell them, like, look, everything you guys tell me, I, I obey it to the T. And if I mess up, I'm not doing it right, it's probably because of me. It's not even you. You probably tell me the right thing. I'm just not applying it correctly, right? But does it work the other way around? Does it work the other way around? Is it an obedience to your heart? An obedience to what God is saying? You see, the only way that you're going to find yourself growing is that you have something outside of yourself speaking into you to show you where you are missing. Because if you look at yourself and you say, well, I'm, I'm pretty well off financially. I made it compared to a lot of the dudes around me or girls around me. I look pretty good, right? Quote, unquote, I'm all right. If you have that as your natural standard, you're not going to think you need to grow because you think you made it. But in the Christian life, God is saying, that's so shallow. What I want from humanity is so much deeper and more complex. I didn't make you shallow. I didn't make you surface-like. I made you with depth, with wisdom, with power, with strength, with endurance, Obey me. It's obedience. Obedience to what? There, there are so many, I mean, when he, when, he, when, when he speaks in his laws, forgiveness. Being angry is easy. Being angry, vengeful, bitter, that's easy because that's a natural emotion. But depth takes forgiveness. It takes being able to go deeper than those 
surface emotions that are there. Real emotions. I'm not going to, I won't take that away from you. Those are real emotions. But God's saying there's a way to actually handle those emotions. That actually brings life and flourishing and brings joy and frees you from it. But it comes from a very hard act of what? Forgiveness. Would you do it? Generosity. Generos- giving, when someone has given you something or giving, when, you, when you have value, something in exchange to get from it, that's natural. That's normal. That's shallow. That's self-centered. That's easy. But giving for no reason, simply because of the act of giving itself, that takes depth. That takes heart. That takes a reality that's beyond you. But it frees you from what? It frees you from the love of money. It frees you from the chains of it. The root of all evil is not money, guys. The root of all evil, the Bible says, is what? The love of money. Generosity breaks that chain. It breaks that barrier. We're calling you to to a spirit of generosity not because we just want money. Calling you to a spirit of generosity because we want you to be free from the love of money. That, you're not, that you don't value your worth based on how many zeros you have after your name. You don't value your identity or where you stand in the world based on how much you make as a person. Obeying the truth. Would you trust him? But here's the second thing. Nourishment. Okay? Look at verse, chapter 2, verse 2. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. By it you may grow up in your salvation. How do you eat something? You have to cut it up, right? You have to cut it up to bite-sized pieces that can actually fit in your mouth. You have to put it and you have to taste it. You have to chew on it. You have to let your taste buds kick in, you know, enjoy the meal. And then you swallow it. You digest it. It becomes part of you. The carbs go to, you know, your myocondria and gives you the energy and the proteins go to your muscles to give you more ability to make more muscles, right? How do you grow? You got to be nourished with the word. How do you cut up the word? You study it. You study it. You don't have to study it in big chunks, but little pieces. You know, I'm, I'm a 38-year-old man. I've been a Christian for 20 years of my life. This past two years, I've been doing this Bible study uh, called Divine Counsel. We're going through from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And I'm reading the Bible in a, in a whole different light. It's the same truth, but it's, it's, it's so much more nuanced behind it. And I'm still studying it. All right? But we, we don't go there from just one day. It's like you're trying to, you know, like those guys when you go to the gym, they try to like, like ego pump and they put all these weights on and you just watch them just fall, right? You're like, mm, you should start pretty low, right? Just do the bar. It's like, no, that, that looks kind of dumb. No. No one really cares, man. Just do the bar, right? <laughs> that's where you're at. That's where you're at. But study. Study pieces of it. And then what? As you study it, you taste that it is good. Right? Let it, you got to let it melt your heart. You got to let it actually, you have to enjoy it. You know, last night, or yesterday, we had, um, we had a baptism. Our sister Dorothy got baptized. Yeah, right? Ben got baptized. Yeah, right? Elaine got baptized. Yeah, Right? Who else got baptized? One more. Who? Oh, yeah, Stephen got baptized. Stephen got baptized. Stephen got baptized, you know? 
And it was, it was, they all gave their testimony, which is such a beautiful thing. I love hearing the testimonies, and it was, it was, it was awesome. But actually, I was listening to the Vietnamese um, uh, adults' bapt- uh, testimonies. It was so, it was so, one of, the bapt- one of the testimonies was so good. He was like this Buddhist guy, right? And, you know, he, he shared that, you know, as a Buddhist, I, I read the Bible, and I just didn't get it. I didn't get it at all. I just didn't make any sense. I just, I, I mean, I did it, but I didn't really like it. Right? My wife was a believer, and I was kind of whatever. And then I said, but the moment I wanted to grow, the moment when the stirring in my heart for growth happens, I said the word became sweet. It became real. It made sense. It opened my eyes. And when I heard that, I was like, yeah, there it is. The word of God becomes a reality to your life, and it tastes good, right? But not only do you study it, melt your heart, but you got to digest it, right? You know what digesting means? It means you have to apply it. How does this play out in your life? Because it's one thing to know it, one thing to feel it, but you still got what? You got to do it. You got to let it be a part of your everyday existence. You got to let it engage you. Day to day, you got to let it be a part of who you are, right? All right, last one. How do we grow? We grow through obedience. We grow through the craving of spiritual milk, nourishment. Here's the last one. Verse 22 back again. It says, so that you have sincere love for your brothers. Love one another deeply from the heart. You cannot grow on your own. You cannot grow on your own. You need somebody from the outside to speak into you, right? You ever heard a recording of yourself? Have you seen a recording of yourself, right? What's your first kind of like flinch? You're like, oh, do I really sound like that, right? Do I, do I look like that? And then you look at the person next to you and say, is that how I sound like usually? He's like, yeah. What? Right? Is that what I look like? Yeah. You know? You know any time when we started doing the video sermons, I look at myself like, do I usually look that shaggy, Right? And then, you know, my salt got to be like, yeah, that's your M.O. Right? I'm like, really? Like, yeah. Like, is my hair always like that? He's like, yeah. Oh, good to know. Right? Good to know. You need somebody that's not you to speak truth into your life. I'm not talking about any random person here. I'm talking about someone who loves you deeply, sincerely, right, who wants to be with you. There's no way you will know your strength or your weaknesses your greatest flaws without someone around you, someone who loves you deeply. That's why here we have salt. We have discipleship. We're part of investing in people's lives. So if you're not, if you're, if, if, here's the thing. You can obey and you can read the word really well, but you can still be a baby. You know why? Because you cannot see your own flaws. Because for some reason you think you're the lone wolf the lone ranger, that you can make it on your own. I don't need someone else in my life to tell me how or to speak truth into me. I have the Bible. I do what it says. I'm living a pretty good Christian life. No, you're still a baby because growth requires somebody to be transparent and say, hey, look at me. What do you see? Where am I still weak at? Where am I strong? Help me. Right? You guys remember the story about the Ethiopian eunuch? When Philip was running towards him and he says, hey, uh, let me, can you explain that scroll of Isaiah to me? You know what he said uh, afterwards? He looked at Philip and says, should I be baptized? 
right? Philip had to speak into this eunuch's life and says, yeah, do you understand what you just read? Do you recognize what you're asking for? And Philip, someone had to speak into the eunuch's life. He can't just say, I want to be baptized. He didn't say that. If you read the Bible, he never says, hey, Philip, baptize me. Nope. He asked Philip, should I be baptized? Because the eunuch understands, and this eunuch wasn't even a believer at that time. You understand that in order for you to truly and be able to fully evaluate yourself, somebody has to speak into your life from the outside. You guys get me? All right. So my prayer for you is simply this. Would you want to grow? Grow. How long are we going to be infants in the faith? How long are we going to get by merely drinking milk when the word of God is meant to be so much more rich? How long are you just going to go through the motion of it? Self-centered, gullible, needing to be fed. Rather than to grow up and to be people whom God has made to bring beauty to this world. You got to be motivated. And here's the last thing. You got to be motivated by love. You have to be, because you, you can want to grow. You can know how to grow. But if you're not motivated by the love of God to grow, you're not going to grow. You're not, if you cannot see how much he loves you, if you cannot recognize the cross and what that means for you, if you cannot understand his depth of love into your life, you're never going to be motivated to do anything. It has to be a motivation of love that brings you to your knees, to repentance, to say, I will grow, oh God, work in me. I want it. I want a taste of your word. I want it to be sweet upon my mouth. I don't want to walk around as a child, as an infant. I want to be a man of character, a woman of depth, a man of wisdom, a woman of clarity. A man of prayer, a woman of nobility. You got to love the Lord. If an infant can love the Lord, not even knowing it, you can too. I mean, I'll tell you one last story. You know, I don't know where Enoch's been learning um, the Jesus, Jesus loves me, this I know, right, for the Bible. But the thing was, taking that knowledge and then, having the CM go to, you know, doing the whole choir thing for him. She's like, when you sing, you have to open your mouth like an O and to exaggerate the songs, right? So here I am, I'm pushing him through Costco, right? And out of the blue, he'd be like, Jesus loves me. I'm like, mm-hmm. And then what I want to do, I'm going to stop my son from singing about Jesus, right? And I'm like, I'm like I mean, if he, if he was singing any other song, probably shut up, right? But like, you know, he's like, Jesus, and he's walking, I'm like, and Right? right, I'm just like, please, just, just lower the decimal, right, just by a couple of notches, bro. Right? I'm pushing him through, and he just, and the thing is, he knows the whole song, so he just, it doesn't end, right? It, it just keeps going and going and going, you know, and then this one, and it's, it's, it's so cute, it was, a lady walks by, she says, out of the mouth of babes comes the praises of God. And I says, amen, sister, right? <laughs> now, shh, <right? laughs> You got to love Jesus, right? Motivated by love. Love is a 
Love draws you and drives you to do things that there is no shame. There's a wanting. There's a desire. There's a natural overflow that comes out of it. It comes out naturally. So my prayer is that your growth comes naturally from a love that has been done for you over and over again. Let's pray.